In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, how many times do you figure that you've prayed the Lord's Prayer in your lifetime? We're going to do a little math this morning, both now and a little bit later in the sermon, too. So if you want to get out your phone or if you want to get out a pencil and do some, you know, back of the back of the bulletin math, that's fine. If you figure once for every Sunday and then let's just say once another time throughout the week, that's what? What is that? 104 times a year. So over a decade, 1,040 times. Now, how many decades have you been praying the Lord's Prayer? I look out and see some of you have been praying that a long time. Thanks be to God. He's kept you in his grace all these years, right? Given us the privilege to pray his prayer. Some of you have prayed it maybe just a couple dozen times. So how many times in the range of dozens to hundreds to thousands? Maybe tens of thousands if you pray this daily. Have you prayed this? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know what you're asking for there? Forgive me as I forgive others. Forgive me in the way I forgive others. Lord, deal with me with your grace as I deal with others with your grace. Martin Luther, in his large catechism, says this, Just as we daily sin much against God and yet forgives everything through grace, so we too must ever forgive our neighbor who does us injury, violence, and wrong, shows malice toward us, and so on. If, therefore, you do not forgive, then do not think that God forgives you. And he cites this morning's gospel lesson from Matthew 18. But if you forgive, you have this comfort and assurance that you are forgiven in heaven. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Friends, this morning's gospel lesson, which is my sermon text, gives us the opportunity to reflect on these two things. First of all, the grace of God in forgiving us is scandalously generous. It's obscene how much we have been forgiven of. And not us, but all who believe. The sin of the world. There is no sin ever committed in the history of this world that has not been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And the second thing is that God's grace toward us, that is scandally generous, proves that it is actually in us, that we have actually received it insofar as we extend that grace to others. And that indicates both ways. If we do not forgive others freely as God forgives us, we should not assume that God has forgiven us. So let's jump in. If you want to follow along, the gospel lesson is printed for you there in the bulletin. Peter comes up to Jesus and asks this question, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Forgiveness is not the kind of thing that we're supposed to keep track of. Forgiveness is a function of love. What does love look like in action? Well, it looks like forgiving sins. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, this is in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that love does not keep a record of wrongs. You know, some of you might have this notebook. I know I've seen my parents' notebook about playing spades, right? Games of spades or games of hearts. And you keep track who won this hand, that hand, who won last time. You turn the page. Oh, boy, you know, right? We don't do that with each other's sins. We don't keep a record. Oh, man, remember a few weeks ago, this was really a doozy that you said to me. And I know I, I really hurt you, too. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. 
Love doesn't count forgiveness. Love doesn't ask, how many times should I be forgiving people? We shouldn't take Jesus' mathematical instructions to mean we're only supposed to give 490 times, right? 70 times 7. Once somebody has sinned against us the 491st time, well, then I guess our grace has just run out now. That's not what Jesus is saying. Let's do a little algebra. See, I told you we were going to do math. Instead of 7, let's just use X. Okay, let's just assign a variable X to this. Peter asks Jesus, Jesus, am I supposed to forgive X times? And Jesus says, no, forgive 10x times x times. In other words, Peter, you're off by an order of magnitude, plus your original number, or sorry, multiplied by your original number. The point is, whatever you think is a reasonable upper limit for how many times you should be forgiving people, it's not even close. Keep going. Punch right through that and extend grace to them freely as God keeps extending grace to you. You don't want God to stop forgiving you after the 490th time. Because I tell you what, he'd have stopped forgiving you a long time ago. Me too. We're, we're in this together. I'm not any different just because I'm you know, up a few steps and wearing a robe. We're all in this position together. To get this point across, Jesus tells this parable of the unforgiving servant, the unmerciful servant. And we're going to translate some of the numbers. Um... This translation, the New Living Translation, says this is millions of dollars. Um, That's one way to think of it. This number that Jesus says that this first servant owes is 10,000 talents. Now, one talent is 20 years of wages. Who can do 20 years times 10,000 for me real quick? How many years is that? 200,000 years wages. And so this is obviously an unpayable debt. So when Jesus gets to the point in the parable and he says, and so when he couldn't pay, like, yeah, no wonder he couldn't pay. I've, I've read that this debt was greater than the annual revenue of the Roman Empire. And there, someone asked this great question in Bible study. How did this person rack up this debt? Which, you know, this is a good, good question to think about. Not right now, though. Not right now. The point is, this debt could not be paid. And what does this servant say? Be patient with me. I will pay it back. No. That's not a thing that can happen. So what does the master do? He is moved with compassion and puts this uh, debtor on uh, installment plans. No. 72-month financing. No. 0% APR. No. He just forgives it all. This isn't like the end of one of those car commercials with all of the facts and figures and everything else. No, the master just forgives the debt. It's incredible. And this is you and me, by the way. 200,000 years of wages sounds like a big debt. But the testimony of Scripture is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the punishment for sin, the punishment for breaking an eternal God's law is an eternal punishment. 200,000 years is not even the first inhale and exhale of the length of punishment that you deserve. It's the blink of an eye at the beginning of an eternity of an eternities. We owe much more than 200,000 years. 
And for us to say, right, have patience with me, I'll pay it all. That's as ridiculous as this, you know, servant in the parable. There's no way we could pay that. In our attempts to pay it back, we just rack up more penalties, more debt. Our only hope is the same hope that this servant had. To fall down and plead for mercy. To plead for mercy and compassion from the master. Which the master has shown us. In his son Jesus Christ crucified for us. Matthew 20, 28. At the, uh, later in the gospel, just a few chapters later, Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to pay our debt. Romans 5 says, God showed his great love for us. Irena, yeah, you're so cute. This is great. You should have a baby up here in the front every, every Sunday. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we still had that debt to pay, while we still hated God, while we still hated Christ and didn't even want to be forgiven. We didn't want to obey God. Jesus still came to die for us. And in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, God made us who were dead in our sins alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us, nailing it through Jesus' wrists into the cross. And his blood ran down that record of our debt and wiped it away. God has forgiven our debt. We owed much more than 200,000 years wages. But it's all forgiven. God is scandalously generous to you in his mercy and in his grace. And here's where this parable takes a turn to become a cautionary tale, right? This first servant, fresh off of this enormous debt being lifted off of his shoulders, goes and finds a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarius was a day's wages. There were 6,000 of these denarii in one talent. And remember, this guy owed 10,000 talents. So 10,000 down to one. One divided by 6,000, right? You get this unit. And there's 100 of these that this other servant owed. This is, this is like, could be paid off in nine months. And this servant who had just been forgiven this incredible debt goes and he wrings this guy's neck and he says, pay what you owe me now. And there's no mercy. There's no forgiveness. The least he could do is agree to some kind of installment plan. But he insists on full payment now, and he throws this guy in prison when he can't pay, even though he says the exact same thing. The first guy who's been forgiven this incredible amount falls down before the master and says, have patience with me, I'll pay it back. This guy is forgiven of that, goes and finds somebody who owes him. The guy falls at his feet, says, have patience with me, I'll pay it back. And he says, no way. The master hears about this calls the servant in, says, you wicked servant. Should not you have had mercy on this other servant as I had mercy on you? And what does he do? That full forgiveness of that enormous debt is revoked. And he is thrown in jail until he should, and tortured, the NLT translation says, until he should pay the last penny. This could very well be me or you too. Think carefully about this, friends. God forgives you all your debt because we plead with him to be merciful for Jesus' sake. In our confession and absolution that we're going to say in just a minute or two here, we will ask together, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. 
Forgive us, renew us, lead us for the sake of Christ. Have mercy on us, God. But do we still count as guilty in our hearts, the person next to us in the pew or the person a few pews back or somebody who's not here? Somebody who says the same thing, who pleads for the mercy of God on behalf of Jesus Christ and is forgiven by Jesus, and we think they're still guilty. We're still holding a grudge. We still can't let this thing go that they did to us, even though the Son of God died to forgive it. That's having 10,000 talents forgiven and choking somebody over 100 denarii. denarii. Think of it. The blood of Christ that pays for the sin of the world isn't powerful enough to wash away sin as far as you're concerned. And forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness sometimes feels like a thing that you have to do over and over again. I'm trying to forgive. I want to forgive. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you've lost interest in forgiving. You've grown bitter. You think time has, enough time has passed and so we're kind of just sort of over that. But if you've not actually reconciled, let me tell you something. Don't be comfortable in that. Remember the dozens, hundreds, or thousands of times that you've asked God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How much grace do you want God to have with you? How much grace are you giving out to others? In case you think I'm being a little too serious, the consequence, remember, of this servant's graceless wickedness, his unwillingness to forgive, is that that entire debt that he was forgiven is pulled back. God's grace toward us proves itself through the grace we extend to others. If we're not extending grace to others, we are showing that we have rejected God's grace to us. God's grace and forgiveness flows through us. Each of us is like a valve for God's mercy and grace to each other and to the world. And if we try to shut that off for some people in our lives, because we're kind of bitter, or we're sort of fed up with them, if we shut that off out of sin, guess what? The valve upstream of us shuts off too. We can't hold on to forgiveness without giving it to others. How many times are you supposed to forgive somebody? Jesus says that's the wrong question. That's not even something we're supposed to keep track of. Forgiveness is hard. When people sin against you, it hurts. It changes your life sometimes forever. It's confusing. It's destabilizing. It's traumatizing, even. I'm not trying to make this sound light and easy. I'm not trying to set a high bar for you to clear if you're hurt and you're struggling. Forgiveness is hard. And in fact, it's impossible for you to do on your own. Which is why it's so great that the hymn of the day for today is Come Down to Love Divine, because it says... In stanza three, let holy charity, that is charity that's not my own, because you and I, we're not holy. We need, we need charity, we need holiness to come to us from outside of us by the Holy Spirit, who kindles this flame of love and charity in our hearts. So we ask God, let charity be my outward vesture, and lowliness become my inner clothing. And then in the final stanza, no soul can guess his grace, 
right? The Holy Spirit's grace enabling us to forgive others. No soul can understand it. Nobody can even accidentally guess it. It's impossible unless, until it becomes the place where the Holy Spirit makes his dwelling. Friends, you saw the Holy Spirit take up dwelling in Little Reina this morning. If you've been baptized, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart as well. If you've been baptized into Christ, you've been united to his death and his resurrection, that one forgiveness for you. And if you've received the forgiveness of Christ, you can forgive others. But here's a final warning for you. You can either hold on to Christ's forgiveness or you can hold on to other people's sin against you, but you can't do both. You can't, in one hand, hold on to the forgiveness that Christ won you and still hang on to this other thing. Christ's forgiveness eventually is going to have its way with this grudge of yours. And you can feel threatened by that and cling to it and not let that go, but you're going to lose the forgiveness of God. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let love have its way. Let grace have its way. When you receive Christ's forgiveness, forgiving others is possible. It's not something you have to go out and try to do. It's just something that God gives us power to do. And by his grace, day by day, we say yes to. And we ask for his help when we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.